0: Likewise, uh, are you, are you guys ready? Should we, should we just jump into it? Oh, yeah, wait, what was, I don't hear it now. Okay. I was just hearing, I I got like weird feedback. Uh, in my feed, feedback for a second. Yeah. I heard that, but, but it's, I it's don't gone. hear it anymore. Yeah.
1: Someone's is everybody wearing headphones.
0: Cause uh, it's okay. I think we're, I don't hear it again. All right. Are you are you guys ready? I am. All right. Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great. We have uh, Kahuna with us today. Hey, Kahuna. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm good, boss. I don't have a mic because I'm stupid.
0: (laughs) That's okay. That's okay, Kahuna. We love you. He uh, no no mic for Kahuna. That's that's why we pay them the big bucks. That's right. (laughs) Um, Our guest today is returning and uh one of Chip you and i have talked offline about alvin many times mm-hmm. uh, easily uh one of my favorite guests absolutely my um, dude. alvin taylor uh an extraordinary drummer welcome back to the show
1: very happy to be here ken thank you
0: yeah thank you for coming on so we're we're talking about uh tina turner today and i saw uh the night that she passed away last week i saw um i saw you post a very uh touching tribute to her where you also called her your old boss and uh i was just saying to you before this started that um i know you've had a very prolific career but i I had no idea that you worked with tina turner also
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, some difficult times that, um, I'm going through right now. I'm kind of almost even getting choked up just again, you know, um, hearing about and, uh, being in reality, living with the reality that she's no longer here, but you know, unfortunately we all have to go and we have to pass that way. And um, but uh, she didn't, you know, just leave the earth, you know, without being remembered and uh, leaving a legacy behind. Uh, There's just so much that she's left behind. And uh, even though she's gone from this earth, she will be in my heart uh, forever. She will live in my heart.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's that's a very touching thing to say. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like once, you know, the tributes, uh, started pouring out, you were like, oh man, like Tina Turner was one of those, like, I've never heard anybody that didn't love Tina Turner. I've never heard anybody be like, eh, you know, she's all right. Yeah.
2: She's she, not for me. No, everybody, everybody loved her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately anybody who didn't, we certainly won't, won't, don't want to hear too much about it. Yeah. You know, especially if you love her the way we do. Um, how did
0: you, so you, you actually worked with Ike and oh. Tina Turner?
1: Yes. I played drums on the hit song, uh, Nutbush city limits. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, about her hometown. That's, yeah. That's me pounding away with Ike. And it was basically Ike and I. We 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 cut the track, and Claude um, Williams did the horns, and uh, that was basically about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, uh, there a lot of memories that my heart will literally all, always cherish from the time that I've known Ike. Where uh, I actually. Might as well talk about how I met him. And, sure. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, well, in uh, everywhere Ike was, there was always Tina. So it was Ike and Tina, and uh, so uh, I was in the Richard's band, as you very well know. And
3: yeah, uh,
1: I um, Ike and Tina would always play. They would also play the International Hotel, and Elvis Presley was um, the main act there and we would open up the show for Elvis at mm-hmm. the International Hotel. Well, whenever Lou Richard appeared, everybody would show up. I mean, every band that was famous that had a number one record, number 10 record, it wouldn't matter. Presidents, kings, queens, uh, people from all over the world would come to, to be uh, present and visit and be there for uh, Lou Richard you know, to support him. And to see him, and so of course I and Tina uh, would come. Uh, you know, Mick Jagger would come. I mean, uh, Bobby Womack, Stevie Wonder. I mean, you name it. Share. Everybody was there. That's how. That's how I ended up meeting a lot of people and becoming a, a, a session drummer because I I knew everybody, and they'd see me with Richard, and they liked me. So. Uh, I continue to like me. And um, this was, uh, I think I, I started playing with Richard in 68, 1968. Shh, don't tell nobody. They might find a <laughs> real age can, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was 14 years old. You go figure, that gives you an idea. Um, I'm 70 years old now. But uh, right around nineteen seventy. 273, uh, I started playing with uh, uh, Ike and Tina uh, because they needed a drummer at that time. And uh, we started spending a lot of time in the studio. I mean, just amazing time. And uh, that's how I met Ike and Tina. Uh, and that's this went on for an extended period of time, a lot of years in the studio recording. Over and over again, various different songs, and uh, so we became really good friends right up to uh, to the end of her her death.
2: Now I I know we've we've t- sort of talked about this before, but you know at this time you must have been barely twenty years old. If if that was that intimidating to work with them at the time, or are you you're just in there doing your job,
1: honey? Are you kidding me? I played with Little Richard. This is the <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, actually it, it, it was a little uh, intimidating because uh, Ike was a genius oh let me tell you in spite of a lot of stuff that we heard Ike was absolutely an amazing person
0: yeah I, I wanted to talk to, uh, yeah I'm curious about it. keep going I, I was curious yeah. about this
1: and a genius musician mm-hmm I mean, a total, 100% perfectionist. He'd be sitting there, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Second, so no, I didn't. Uh, play it back, play that back. Listen, listen, you know, and you never did hear it, but, I mean, he heard it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, later on, I mean, it, it would take like 10 or 15 years to say, you know, I think I know what he was talking about. I hear it now, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, sure, yeah, uh, he was a genius.
0: He, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: curious what, uh,
0: what was your impression of him? Not just as a musician, but as a producer.
1: As a producer, um, he was more of an arranger. Mm -hmm. I would, I would call it an arranger,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, producer. He was all right. He was an all right producer. Uh, and, and my books wasn't really the greatest producer because uh, he was handicapped. It was very difficult. You know, when you're trying to play an instrument and run the, run the board as an engineer and be on the other side of, of the glass working with the musicians in the studio and at the same time on the other side of the glass trying to hear what they're doing, it's really hard to be in two places at one time. Mm. So you're either at one or the other, you know? And to me, great producers back then were always in the control room right? until they heard something that the musician was doing that they needed to say, hold on, hold the tape. And they run out in the studio and say, Hey, look, if you don't get this right, I'm going to call somebody else, you know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Or whatever it was that they were going to tell you to get you to try to do the, you know, do the line right. So, Ike was torn between having to have to stay in his seat uh, with the strap uh, uh, around his neck to his guitar. He was literally strapped to his seat, basically, and couldn't go out. He had to kind of press the mic to say "hey" and yell out there to the musicians and it's, that's not any way to communicate, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you gotta get right in somebody's face and communicate with them. And most of the great producers that I've worked with like Robert Margoloff, Richard Perry, and I could probably name many others, uh, great producers, Frank Wilson, uh, they were right there in your face, man. And, they, you know, and they'd be sitting there watching you play, and they'd be dancing with you, clapping, woohoo, <laughs> you know, you'd see the thing, man, they'd be like, whoa, yeah. And Ike would do that when he was playing. But it was a, there was a this total disconnect because you're behind the glass. And here I am out in the control room. And as you very well know, you're sitting in a studio there, Ken. There's a control room, which is a totally different vibe from what's going on out in the studio. Mm -hmm. You know, so people would call where you're sitting. Oh, well, I'm in the studio. No, that's the control room. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. And so when we look at um, Ike as a great producer, I I didn't see him as a great producer. I saw him as a great musician and a great arranger and definitely an amazing encourager. Uh, He knew how to encourage people. And he was awesome at
0: doing it. Yeah, they they said I I just watched this uh, documentary on HBO, but they said that he was like an absolute perfectionist, and oh. yeah, that Absol- I, I I saw something interesting. So when um Phil Spector produced them, uh you know River Deep Mountain High, which is now considered one of the all time classic songs. But they um, at the time, the song, it just kind of sunk like a stone. Like it, it didn't they, they thought Phil Spector thought he had just recorded, you know, maybe his ultimate masterpiece. And, and you could probably argue that he did. Um, but I, the song, it just I guess it just wasn't the right song at the right time. And it kind of disappeared. But I felt like the documentary was almost saying like Ike was. Almost happy. Like I told you this guy, like I told you this great producer couldn't produce it. Almost like not happy, but he, like he, he almost felt like a competition with him as, as a producer.
1: Well, in in my humble opinion, if um, if that was the case, then Phil Spector won, you know, and, yeah. and that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know uh, because I mean, uh, he what he did was he uh literally brought the wall of sound, you know, to the I Continue Turner review. When before he had did that same sound with a lot of other people, mm-hmm. uh, 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 never closed or by the, the righteous, Every, righteous, uh, brother. righteous Brothers,
2: Righteous Brothers, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and many other people that he had worked with, so um, it was um. Really powerful uh, that Phil was able to take that sound that he had did with a lot of other people. Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, the Ronda, the uh, Ronda, Ronda. Uh, I can't think. Trying to think of her name. Oh, anyway. Ronnie. Ronnie Spector. Yeah, Ronnie Spector. Yeah. Uh, what was that song that he did with her? Uh, oh, be my baby. Be my baby. Be my baby. Be, yeah, be yeah, my it's... baby. So if you listen to "Be My Baby." You hear that sound in River Deep Mountain High. Mm-hmm. You hear that same production. Yeah, you know, yeah, Chip shaking his head. You, Chip knows what I mean. Yeah.
2: Oh, you definitely. I mean, yeah, just that. That's. I mean, that that you know, gigantic sound.
3: That's amazing.
1: it. Absolutely. I mean, just huge, and, and it's like, wow. Uh, he was able to to take and bring that amazing sound to Ike and Tina Turner, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's like you know. Uh, I probably like didn't even know what hit him. You know what I mean? Because he's uh, his mind is somewhere else, thinking about what he would do, and he was probably not really receptive
3: mm-hmm.
1: and really. To, to, I hate to say it, unwilling. It was you know unwilling? I didn't you know I didn't want to do this, but hey, yeah, I, I let's say the devil made me do it. Uh, you know, the record label made him do it, you know, it's like hey, if you want to if, if you want to, you know, work with us and you want us to uh, to uh, manufacture and uh, 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 distribute your record, this is what we want you to do is we want you to sit down and shut up and let Phil Spector produce this record. And Ike was probably kicking and screaming all the way. Like, ah, Turner, <laughs> you like, I might turn or once that you know how it is Sometimes I think we all grapple with the ego, pride and arrogant that wants to try to lead and be in control. And uh, you know, as we grow up and as we mature, we start getting to a point where we're like, you know what? The only thing I'm running is my mouth and my shoes over. Let me shut up and be quiet and follow the <laughs> here so that I can get somewhere in life and do things and get along with people. Basically.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like if I don't, um, you know, uh, work, uh, how should I say it? Um, like you and I, you, us, us three right now, we we're, we're collaborating. This isn't, you know, uh, the Alvin Taylor show. This is not the Chip show or the Ken show. You know, this is I love rock and roll, baby. And so we're all, <laughs> yeah, so we're all collaborating to make this show as opposed to uh, an individual decision making, unilateral decision making. So Ike's usually uh, he's used to unilateral decision making. I make the decisions. This is the way it goes. And that's it. But here he was forced to collaborate and he didn't really want to do that because he didn't know how to do that. He used to, used to making decisions on his own. Uh, unilateral decision making says, Hey, this is what I feel like I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what you have to do to follow directions with what I want.
3: Hmm.
1: And, you know, um, collaboration says, Hey, I got others to think about and, you know hey just like i'm talking right now and i know i got chip and i got keen so i gotta shut up
0: (laughs) no you never have to shut up on this show yeah um so what was i'm gonna jump around a bit what was it like so listen the you know uh tina turner's uh split from ike is well documented you know the the details are out there uh she she walked away from uh but I, I didn't realize this. till I, I didn't realize they were married 16 years, 16 years of abuse. I can't imagine how hard that must, like I'm walking away from a 16 year marriage and it was pretty good. You know, like I can't imagine like, I had a pretty good marriage and I'm, it was like, all right, this is enough. Um, I, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. But what, what must, what was it like for you, Alvin, Seeing her, you know, go, she, she, she had, she had this career with Ike. Um, he, it, she, she, she gets divorced. She famed. The only thing that she asks for is the rights to her name so that he couldn't continue using her name to make money. He kept the house, the money, the car. She, she walks out of the house, you know, with 30 cents in her pocket. What was it like for you to see her go from that to selling out football stadiums be becoming the first black female rock star that that held her own with the rolling stones and david bowie and prince what what was it like to see that transformation
1: absolutely awe inspiring and you know in a, in a world at at that time where women are kind of, I hate to say it, suppressed. Mm -hmm. You know, she beat the odds. She jumped out in front and did her thing and did what she was supposed to do. But um, I want to I want to clear up a few things and say something Um, at the risk of sparks flying from people who are going to hear me say this and I can guarantee you every musician that's ever worked with Ike and Tina will agree Mm -hmm. with what I'm saying. Um, It's kind of unfortunate. And I'm actually glad that the movie that was out called What's Love Got to Do With It? was literally called What's Love Got to Do With It? and not how Ike Turner abused Tina Turner. And it, it, it was, what's love got to do with it? Of course, uh, it was, it was made for entertainment. So a lot of stuff that you saw in that movie wasn't r- really accurate. It was <laughs> just, for it was made to, to make money and, and to be an entertainment, you know, outlet. Um, Ike told me, he says, I only hit Tina one time. And he said, do you know that that one time that it it took for me to hit her, unfortunately, he says, "Um, I hit her in the wrong place and it knocked her tooth out and blood came gushing out. And from, from that point on, I became a wife beater for the rest of my life with her, the rest of my time with her. I was known as a wife beater. He says, and the only reason that I did hit her is because he said, man, that big old Amazon broad, she's standing you know, five feet higher than me. And I mean, really, literally, if you look at Tina's, you know, taller than Ike and she's bigger than Ike and Ike's a little guy compared to her, she reached back and slapped him and hit him and knocked him and he fell to the ground. And he said that he thought in his mind that, you know what, I'm I'm not going to allow this to happen because if if I just let this go, this is where my relationship is going to be with her. So he got back in, and hit her back right and he says since that time um the news got out that he was a wife peter and ever since then you know uh he was known as an abuser and uh yeah he had a lot of fights and stuff where he pulled on her and stuff like that but he never hit her or really abused her supposedly now i don't know how true that is but i do know that for the amount of years that I spent in the studio working with him and Tina, I never ever seen him abuse her. I never seen him abuse Tina on stage or off stage, backstage. Now, what they may have done in in the privacy of their being together, yeah, and they I don't, I can't, you know, of course, I don't know about that. But I can, can probably pretty much guarantee you that the musicians that, that work with them, all the people that work with Ike and Tina um, can testify that they never saw anything like that. And we're like, where does all this stuff come from? And I remember sitting in a restaurant in Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, with Ike was sitting at a kind of like a, one of those IHOPs, or I can't remember what it was. Uh, but uh, this lady walks in. And we think she's going to walk up to Ike and ask Ike for, her, for his autograph. She walks up and goes, <laughs> and just sits just... in his face. And Ike's like, you know, he grabs his uh, napkin and he's, and he's wiping his face. He goes, what, what's that about? You know, what are you doing that for? You know, and she's like, "You your know, wife beat her. He's like, he shook his head and is like, you know, just kept eating. I'm sitting right there watching him. He just wiped his spit off and kept eating. And then he's like, see what I got to go through? And it's it's really sad. Um, I worked on a book uh, called Taking My Name Back. And um, nobody would ever, nobody ever wanted to, uh, I don't know if that book ever got released or not. It might, it may have. Mm -hmm. But of course, you never saw it. And um, no one ever got a chance to, uh, to, to hear his side of the story. And, uh, when he wanted to do a movie about it, taking my name back and get the book out, nobody wanted, wanted to invest in that. They just wanted to believe Tina's side. Uh, but, um uh, I don't know how much Tina's actually said or uh, emphasized or put emphasis on, you know, Ike's a real, a wife beater, uh, or he really you know, um, or how many times he did it, but yeah, once is enough. I'm not trying to justify wife beating. You know, right? Of course sure. not. But uh, or you know, even hitting anybody, but uh, um, Ike's been made to be a real terrible guy, and Ike, Ike was one of the most loving, kindest, nicest, uh, uh, generous people you'd ever want to meet and i guarantee you you talk to any musician that's ever worked with him and they'll say the same thing yeah he had this mean streak he, he did some pretty stupid things but it was actually even as dangerous as it was it was it was out of fun you know it was out of fun that i could do stuff do kind of stupid things and um uh, yeah um Hard worker, really hard worker. I remember back in the day spending a lot of time in the studio with Ike. And uh, Tina would uh, go and make food for us and bring it in. And she used to make some of the best soups. Boy, I tell you, she was really awesome with that. Is that right? Um, Oh, yeah. Do do, do you
2: remember what kind by any chance?
1: Uh, Well, she would make chicken noodle soup. But I mean, it, it wasn't the, like the chicken noodle soup out of the can stuff, man. I'm talking about some real chicken noodle soup. I mean, it would be, you know, chicken. she takes take ch- a lot of chicken. I mean, lots and lots of chicken and got uh, vegetables, tons of vegetables. And, uh, but she just taking mix all, I can't tell you all carrots and, everything i mean just take and, and mix it in this big old huge pot and uh when you would eat the soup it, it and you know it was very little uh when you call it liquid but there was liquid there but you'd be eating like some real some real uh, uh chicken noodle soup mm-hmm. you know yeah and it yeah. noodles in there and it was just just uh, amazing i mean I'm going to go try that. I, I tried it once and I, and, and and it didn't taste as good as hers, <laughs> but uh, I had all the ingredients in there that worked. I think I'm going to go try that again though. I think, I think I did something wrong, but yeah, once in a lifetime thing, man, it's just like, wow, I'll never forget that. Oh, no course. one's has ever done that before.
2: Now, now when she came into the, to the studio to, to record or to, you know, to rehearse or whatever, what was that like? Like what, you've worked with so many different performers like what was her energy like and and how how was that to to watch that unfold
1: man she would take it to a whole other level when she when she gets excited everybody gets excited uh i remember we were in the studio and ike was just playing this line oh i like that and she would start dancing, dun, 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 dun. And, and and so uh, I said, go write, "Go write me some lyrics." She says, that I, I, I'll, I'll do another verse and, and and come up with a chorus for it. we we'll we have a song." So, um, ten to fifteen minutes. Tina turns and I, I wrote a song about my hometown, Nutbush, uh, Nutbush, uh, <laughs> Tennessee, <laughs> Nutbush, Tennessee. I call it Nutbush. You know, and, and and I said, tell me the lyrics. "Jen house, church house, school house, outhouse on highway number 19. He said, oh, highway number 19. He said, I know that. He said, yeah, where the, where the, where the engines keep the city clean. They call it Nutbush. Oh, Nutbush City. <laughs> oh, boy. It's just like right there. I uh, 25, on the, you know, they start back and forth and uh, Ike's playing the guitar and she's singing. Next thing I know, uh, I'm out in the studio putting some drums down to the track. And boy, everybody is just, I mean, you, you you got these people in the studio and they're sitting around and some of them are basically almost falling asleep because they, they've been there, but uh, they, they know that they can't leave because they have to put a part on, but But they have to wait till Ike does whatever he does in order to get the track uh, set enough for them to be ready to do their part. So meanwhile, they just have to sit around. They're getting paid for it, so they don't care. But they're not going to be that enthusiastic about sitting around and excited as the people are that are working until Tina Turner walks in the room and says, I got some lyrics for this song and starts singing it. Then everybody's up and dancing and more. It gets exciting. Yeah, she makes a room. If she walks into a room. Anybody that's asleep is going to wake. <laughs> they're they're going to come up. They're going to come alive. And especially in the studio, they're going to be up and dancing. Yeah, she, yeah, uh, yeah, she's awesome. awesome. She's got amazing energy. Amazing energy, and uh, she's just very neat and particular and kind and, you know, uh, the way she dresses. And she took me to um, a department store in a limo uh, and bought me a suit just because maybe maybe she didn't like the way I looked. (laughs) 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 What, Uh, What town was this in? Do you remember? Was, but she never insulted me. She's just like, you know, hey, he, kind of like she fooled me. She literally fooled. I'm, she's wise. Let's put it that way. She she tricked me, but she did it with wisdom. Hey, Alvin, you want to go with me? I'm going over to Bullock's. Uh, I, I got to pick up a few things over there. Come go with me. So I'm like, hmm. Okay. So I get in, walk out with her and get in the car, in the limo, and we go to Bullock's and and you know, she goes, go look around, see if there's something you do like. She goes, I'm i you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm gonna be over here at the jury case. I got blah, blah, blah. So I'm going around looking around, and I see this suit that I really kind of like. But I'm thinking, mm, too expensive. <laughs> I can't afford this, you know. But Tina seen me looking at the suit. And she said, "You like that suit?" I said, "Yes, yeah, that's, that's pretty tight." She goes, "She, she called the uh, uh, the store the store guy who was whatever who does uh, worked in that department there, and um, asked if I could he could uh, get pull the suit down so I could try it and everything." And she go, "No, go ahead, try it, try it." I was like. I, I wanted to say, I don't have any money to buy this, but I, I figured when it came time to her saying, You should get that, I was going to say, Hey, I don't have the money to, you know. So I, I just kind of backed off and kept my mouth quiet. She's like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, she, I came out. She went, Oh, you look great in that. That's really nice. She goes, Oh, and then he was like, Hey, all you got to do is take it next door. They'll do the ham. They, they do it within 15, 20 minutes, you know. And she was like, Oh, no, okay. So I went next door and got it hemmed up and everything. I had the suit and just, just amazing. I mean, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, uh, I don't, you know, buy a lot of suits At, at that time. I'm like young, I'm really young. So this is probably like one of the first, second or third suits that I ever had in my life. And, you know, Tina bought it for me, you know, got a nice tie and. Uh, a nice shirt to go with it. Uh, I think I ended up getting a pair of cufflinks. Yeah, cufflinks for the for the shirt. Man, as they say, I be styling. I was styling. <laughs> I don't do that back on the on the coast where y'all at, huh? I'm be <laughs> I be styling. No, I just
2: That's did did. You... I mean, how, how many people can say that Tina Turner bought them a suit? Say that again. I said, how many people can say that Tina Turner bought them a suit?
1: Yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, you know, maybe the boys, maybe Ronnie, her son, uh, or Ike Jr. or something like I. I don't know. Um, maybe they couldn't even say that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I certainly can say it. Yeah, and I'm grateful yeah. to her. There's memories.
0: Yeah, that's that, That's incredible. Um. Uh, alvin's getting choked up did alvin did you um did you did you play live with them yeah
1: i did a few gigs live with them um at that time i was pretty busy because i was working in the eric burden band Mm -hmm. and so my priority was with eric burden but uh ike asked me if i would go out on the weekends with them every now and then, so um i I did uh, an outing three, four or five different times. They would be on a Friday night we uh we would take take off during the day Friday morning, and fly out to wherever it was that we were playing and then we would uh jump on the plane, go somewhere Saturday, jump on the plane, go somewhere Sunday, and then jump on the plane and come home. So that's uh, oh. that that happened about four or five times. Yeah. So they look,
0: just from the YouTube footage I've been watching these last couple days. The, the the live shows were I mean, they they seemed like um, they were over the top with Extra- energy. Yeah,
1: man. The, the- Unbelievable. Literally. Just unbelievable. And everything was just right on. I mean, it's like, man, it was like Ike, it, like, it was like Ike's guitar. He used it as a whip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he kicked some butt with that, everybody's butt. And he whipped us into shape and he, um, the, uh, all of the, um, um, uh, the, uh, the commands and uh, the signals were all Mm -hmm. like just right on. I mean, um, we would do stuff like, uh, uh, we would be doing like rolling, rolling on the river, rolling on the river. And then all of a sudden he would point to the drums and I would go, And then everybody would go... (laughs) But Do you like good music? Right into another song, segue into songs. So we would be doing songs and we'd have to be ready because uh, he would hold up a finger, whether it would be three, four or five, we would know what song it was, depending on the signal. And he would give a signal and he'd hit that guitar. He'd bring his guitar up and pull it down and you know, to, to to show me signals and I'd have to, oh, it was just, and man, I mean, uh, it wasn't easy holding on to the sticks watching them girls check that boot That's what they were checking it, man. And they were right in the front of your face, so, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the, 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 the cats always seemed beautiful. And Tina Turner, I mean, she was like, she was like the original Beyonce. Like you you can you see Beyonce and you how I many Beyonce now is on tour and she's been doing a Tina Turner song uh, every night on tour since she passed. So um, you can see uh, that. Uh, is she doing do you know if she's doing the same song every night or is she doing like a different. I last night she did River Deep Mountain High. I think she's been okay. also doing Proud Mary. Okay, and and yeah. you you were you were talking about "Proud Mary," Alvin. I like I I remember when I first learned that uh, that wasn't even their song. Like, like talk about making a song your own. I remember the first time I heard Credence Clearwater Revival, and I was like, "Oh, they're covering uh, Ike and Tina Turner." And then somebody said to me, "Like, no, that's their song." And uh, you you can't and and by the way, like John Fogarty did a. Pretty good job with the song on his own,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> But the two of that Tina and I took that and just completely made
1: it their own. Well, uh, t- uh, Tina and I—that's what they did with with uh, people's songs that they liked, and they weren't covering people's songs just to cover it. They their their attitude and, and idea about a song was to take it and make it entertaining so they take they would take a song and use it to entertain people with you know so like roll into the road that was a good song to sit and listen to if you come down to the river but uh when you you know when you think about the content of the song and how the song unfolds it's it's not really that entertaining when, when you look at it from John Fogarty's point of view, but right. as far as understanding and listening to the story about a song, it's pretty awesome. But now when you take that and you you put it into movement, it's down to the river you know, so they just really took and made a show song out of it. And that's what they did with all the songs that they did that was ever anybody else's song. Like River Deep and Mountain High, mm-hmm. they did the same thing with that. You know, that the, the was initially uh, Deep Purple song. I mean, this I, n- I did song. not. I never knew that. That's yeah, so funny. A, that's
0: Mountain again, Mountain. I just assumed it was theirs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because uh, I couldn't imagine. I have to go look for that. I couldn't imagine a more uh, iconic
1: uh, take yeah. on that, right? Yeah, right. I always took other people's songs uh, and made it a show song, uh, uh, and and dance like um, I would, all, would would say, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say say anything bad about Creedence Clearwater." He says, "I love them." He says, "I love that song," and he said, "Then I went to go see them." He said, "I had a big poster." Um, which he did, he had a huge poster of them in his studio. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, he went to go see Creedence Clearwater Revival. He says, uh, when I saw them, it, it, if I'd have known that they were going to just stand there, he says, I didn't see them move at all. It was almost like, he said, they looked identical. He said, they looked just like the poster. He said, the only difference is, is the music was live. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he said, um, so he said, uh, rather than me go and spend my time watching them, he said it, it didn't co- cost me anything because of the management, you know, got me in free and I got a chance to meet meet them backstage and that sort of stuff. He said, but then I got back home and I, I, I listened to their music again and I was watching the poster. He says, I, I was looking at the poster and listening to their music. And he said, that's exactly what it was. like watching. watching. <laughs> so he said, I figured that I need to put some movement to that stuff, you know. And so he and Tina got together and started uh, doing that. And they, they did that with uh, various different people. And so um, as a result, um, that that's that kind of became their signature. Um, that's what they would do with many people's songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a someone's song and do, do it their own way, and make people watch them dance. And oh, it's just they had. It, there's never a dull moment watching the iKETS. Of course, you know. Yeah, right. And of course, Tina, and of course Beyonce. I mean, I I don't say this um, to be uh, in a, in a negative way. I say it positively. Uh, there's really nothing that Beyonce can do that Tina hasn't done already with her body. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and just the
2: fact that I was watching some concert footage just today and I'm thinking, okay, this is from the nineties, I I assume. And it was from 2009. I mean, she was, I, I mean, she's moving like she's 25 and just, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Now, now, and you have, you, you've played live behind a lot of, you know, front men, front people, you know, and you know ken and i aren't really musicians and so we don't understand all the nitty-gritty of that but we're we're comedians so we know about controlling a crowd you know crowd control what what, what do you remember what could you say about and I mean, we've all seen footage of what tina turner does on stage but just from 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 playing drums with her did you know do you remember anything do you notice anything like what was her you know style or way to engage the crowd or or the way to do it it was just just her voice and her her amazing dancing, or was there anything else that that you saw that she did to, to you know, to engage the crowd?
1: Well, she, she would talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, she would tell them, "Oh, I'm I'm so happy to be here with you guys." You know what? Um, if if it weren't for you, I couldn't. I wouldn't be here. She goes, "Imagine me being up here on stage singing to myself." <laughs> mm-hmm. and she girl. So, she, goes, I come to sing to you guys, and you know, I want you to sing to me too. So uh, I want you to repeat after me. Say, rolling. And then she would hold up, hold up the mic and she would then you, the, the audience would go, rolling. She would, rolling, rolling, rolling rollin on the river, rolling rollin', rollin', rollin on the river, rolling, 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 rolling on the river. And then the band would go. So she would always get the audience engaged in being a part of whatever it was that we were doing yeah so yeah it's fun to see how she would allow them to be a part of us Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: and 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 all of a sudden we could feel a part of them of the audience i saw an interview
0: with her longtime manager and uh when she had pitched herself to him like hey i'd like you to manage me and uh He said, all right, well, let me come out and see what you do. And she had, she had shows in San Francisco. It was uh, mostly like a cabaret type show. Uh, There was an early show and a late show. And he comes for the early show. It's a six o'clock show. It's a very polite kind of supper club crowd. And they're just kind of eating their dinner and watching. And he was like, yeah, I don't. So I think the energy was wasted on them. So Without their response, the guy, you know, the manager was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this is. But then then the late, the nine o'clock show comes in. Everybody's already eaten dinner. They've already had a few drinks. They're a little louder and more boisterous. And by the time she gets to Proud Mary, He says the entire crowd is like dancing on the tables and she's worked every last person in the room and the energy feels like it's going to blow the roof off the place. And then he was like, oh, yeah, this now I get it and and I have to sign you. And then he asked her, what do you see for yourself? What do you want to be? And she was like, I want to be the Rolling Stones. I, like, I want to fill football stadiums and play rock concerts the way that the Stones do. And that must have seemed like an absolutely insane proposition, you know, like back then in the, in the early 80s. And Tina Turner, people forget, like, she was already in her 40s at this point. It's not like she was... Um, a young starlet. She's already in her forties in an industry. People that, were
2: calling her a nostalgia act. Yep. You know, that, yep. That's kind of the. Yeah.
0: And in an in industry that's already back then, you know, there wasn't a ton of female rock stars. It wasn't like a super packed field. And um, but then she ends up doing it. You know, they they show her she she played a she played a concert in Rio to hundred and ten thousand people.
2: Yeah. At, and, at one point, at one point, she had set. Uh, I think it was 1988. I wrote this down. In 1988, she set the record for the largest paying audience of all time as a solo performer with 180,000 people. I forget exactly where it was, but 180,000 people—that was the record. It's since been broken, but I mean, she set the record at 180,000 people.
1: I think that was in Europe, in uh, Germany, somewhere. Mm.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and. um yeah, she en- actually ended up opening up the show for the Rolling Stones. Her and Ike, yep, uh, Ike and Tina. Yeah, they opened, did. A, they had did a whole tour with them. Yes,
0: yeah, and Stevie Wonder too. The openers were Ike and Tina and Stevie Wonder.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: There's yeah. actually there is there's an expanded edition of the Rolling Stones. Oh God, it was like their it was their best. Not they don't have a lot of great live albums. But it was their best one, and uh, the name's escaping me. But I'm gonna find it in a minute. But um, there is an expanded edition of this album where they um, play. It's from the there's the stop at Madison Square Garden. So okay. they oh uh, get your yayas out. Get your ya-yas yeah, it's right. the famous yeah. one with Charlie Watts on the cover. Yeah, um, and you can you can listen to the entire concert now, including Ike and Tina's opening set. And I have gone back and listened to it and you're like, the stones had some balls bringing out an opening <laughs> act that great.
1: Amazing. I mean, wow, that just goes to show you, a, you know, and you know, Mick, after working with uh, with Tina, I mean, uh, y- y- you can see um, some changes. Yes. Uh, in early Rolling Stones to the later Rolling Stones, it's like oh, Mick. Wait a minute, uh, you ain't black. And you ain't <laughs> to Stop that. Let's go up to him. Hey. Yeah, it's like
2: it you know she be? taught him how to dance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, he's got it down too, baby. I mean, like. They even wrote a song about moves like Jagger. You ever hear that? Yeah, moves like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Like that moves like Jagger stuff, you know.
2: Yeah, it should be moves like Turner.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, she <laughs> didn't uh, quite get to the point where, where she was uh, uh, um, as uh, noted as as Mick Jagger, but uh, she got up there pretty good and uh, made a lot of. Uh, um, people happy with with her work
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah she seemed she seemed as universally uh, loved as an entertainer can be yeah absolutely.
1: absolutely yeah I mean it's really wonderful to see and um I remember talking to her in the early days when really nobody really knew who really that they were even though they had a done a few clubs and, um, uh, how should I say it? Uh, show clubs in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no record labels wanted to give them a deal, but they forced record labels to give them a deal because of the, uh, they just went out and worked hard and people liked them wherever they went. So they built a crowd that, uh, Record companies were saying, "Well, wait a minute. Are people that we have that we have got records on, or don't draw draw this kind of crowd, and, and don't dance and sing like this, and don't have don't sound this good?" So they were like literally forced uh, record labels back in the day, United Artists Records, and they were like forced uh, to uh, sign Icantina.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I Can'tina. Yeah, and uh, so it's just wonderful. I mean, um, there's just so many memories, um, and, and kind, uh, things that Tina did that, um, one will never forget. And just, uh, to see her go is, it's really sad. And, you know, once again, I'll, I'll always, uh, just remember the great, uh, the good things that she did and, uh, say that, you know, um, uh, even though she's gone from this world, she'll be in my heart forever.
2: Yeah. absolutely. And just the I again, just like how universally like you, you can't imagine somebody who's not a Tina Turner fan, you know, that doesn't that doesn't love what she does or respect what she did for all those years. And just to have that personal
0: connection too is it is is amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And real quick, you you were telling me uh, and I'll let you get out of here after this, but you you were you were telling me, um, before we started that you were, uh, partially responsible for putting her with the, with the guy who produced the private dancer album, which is the album that blew her up. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Well, my friend Carter, he prefers to be called Carter. His name is John Carter. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was, um, in the A&R department and, uh, of Capitol records and worked there for many years. And, um, The way that I met Carter is through Eric Burden because we were signed to Capitol and he was our A&R man, followed us all over the the United States. And that's how I got to play with Bob Welch because he liked my drumming so much. uh, He said that I was his um, favorite drummer. And every night he would come and sit behind me and watch me play with Eric Burden on stage. And he said, one day we're going to work together. And so I got a call. And he asked me to be in Bob Welch band. I didn't know who Bob Welch was. I said, "Who's Bob Welch?" And, uh, he's a guitar player with Fleetwood Mac, like you know Fleetwood Mac. And so Fleetwood Mac to me was no big deal at that time, right? But, uh, anyway, uh, Bob um, uh, signed to Capitol, and Carter wanted me to be his band leader. So I ended up um, trying to uh, figure out what musicians would I would I get with Bob. And I listened to a tape that Carter had given me, and I was like, wow, uh, who's the bass player? Because I'm thinking, we should hire the same guys that are on this tape you've given me for for Bob's band. Who's the bass player? He said, oh, that's Bob. I said, who's the guitar player? He said, that's Bob. I said, what about the keyboard player? That's Bob. I said, I assume that Bob's singing. He said, yeah. I said, well, I what I thought You know, crying out loud, we we have the band. He goes, what do you mean? I said, me and Bob. (laughs) And in in those days, no one knew about overdubbing, Mm -hmm. really, the way that I knew about it. So I was like, well, he's he's confused. Carter's totally confused. I what do you mean? I said, we'll go in the studio, and, um, you know, I'll record the drums with Bob's favorite instrument, whether it's bass or guitar, through the whole song and then there'll be the track, and then Bob can come back and lay on all the other instruments, and then we'll have an album. And he was like, what? So he said, okay. So I think they got scared. They were afraid and called uh, Fleetwood Mac to do one song, which is a song that Bob had did with them before called Sentimental uh, Lady. Mm-hmm. So just in case the album didn't go well, they would, have, would at least have that in the but we had a couple of hit records off of that, uh, Ebony Eyes and uh, uh, For You, I say, I say, I you nothing, Your Precious Love, Precious mm-hmm. Love. and um, So anyway, that album became pretty big. And um, when we were just kind of sitting, letting that, that album take its course, um, Ike and Tina were having a pretty bad time not not getting along. And Tina had kind of moved out. And uh, so I told Carter, I said, hey, uh, you know, um, Tina, if she had a good producer and some good songs, I said, she'd be off the map, man. That'd be perfect uh, for you and perfect for her. And Carter looked at me, he's like, wow, how do I get in touch with her? I said, I gave him Tina's number. The next thing I know, Tina's got uh, a couple albums out. and Unfortunately, I didn't get called for either one of them, but. Uh, Tina became famous uh, because of uh, Private Dancer and uh, what's love got to do with it that was produced by Carter
0: Carter, yeah Yeah. I guess she uh, figured she'd already bought you a suit
1: and uh, you guys were even well, you know yeah, (laughs) I guess so and uh, she thanked me for it and uh, Carter thanked me for it so if if nothing else I I got thanks for it Yeah, and I'm grateful for that
2: Yeah, that's 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 incredible.
3: Yeah,
0: and then it goes on to sell like over ten million records. So that that's very cool that you had uh, you had a part in that.
1: Got a hand in that, yeah. Wow. So, I'm grateful for her. She's uh, um, taught me a lot about um, enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and being kind. Uh, being considerate and thoughtful of others—I mean, I, I I learned a lot of that from Tina.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. just
1: just watching her. I mean, she didn't sit down; I didn't have to endure a lecture or any of that. I, all I had to do was just watch her.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, listen, Alvin, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. We're sorry for the loss of your friend, but but thank you for coming on to uh celebrate her and yeah we and really appreciate it honor her memory and if um I know that uh you're probably biased but if you had to give out like one or two essential Tina Turner songs like this is if if you if you wanted to start somebody with explaining who she was where do you go um what's love got
1: to do with it mm-hmm um I would say um also uh we listen to um private dancer um so that's that uh, private dancer would be mixed after
3: yeah mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, what's love got to do with it,
0: yeah i always loved i know this wasn't as popular as her other hits but i always loved her version of i can't stand the rain that's it's great yeah
1: she made an attempt on a lot of other people's songs and like i said before the whole purpose is that not to try to outdo what was done but to bring entertainment to the song so that Mm -hmm. she could sing it and Dance and, and and do stuff build a show around it. And that's what what she was really good at orchestrating
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I've never seen anybody else that could do that
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, well, it's I, I'm just as a kid who grew up on classic rock you you couldn't escape her you yeah. know, it was uh, I'm listening to you know, she's on Rod Stewart's albums. You you see her at live aid with Mick Jagger she, she's she's uh, She's duetting with David Bowie and and commercials and he's popping up at her concerts. And, uh, yeah, I think she was, you know, for me anyway, probably up there with like Debbie Harry as or Chrissy Hind as uh, just one of the first female rock stars that that I have, you know, that that was in my consciousness.
1: Yeah. Well, well, remember, let's not forget she was with the who mm-hmm. uh, that acid queen.
0: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, Alvin. That is the right. first that, that scene in that movie uh, with Tina Turner as the acid queen. That was the first movie I can remember scaring the shit out of me. Like my, my brother showed it to me when I was probably a little too young. And that scene gave me nightmares.
2: <laughs> That's
1: great. Yeah, I mean, the the whole purpose is is is, is to do something that people will remember. You know, it's unforgettable. It's it's life, literally life changing, Mm -hmm. and that's the type of of a performance she puts on. You uh, you go see Tina Turner, your life is never going to be the same. You go see Beyonce, your life is not ever going to be the same again. You go see the Rolling Stones, your life is never going to yep. be the same. You know, real performers, Elton John, you know, come on. Your life is, will never be the same after you see these people. The who? Yep. Whoa, the who? The yep. what? The who? I said the who. You heard what I said. The who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Alvin, thank you so much for coming on. It's always great uh, seeing you and, and talking to you.
1: Hey, I love you, baby love you so much chip yeah guys- thank
2: you too man it's, it's it's always a pleasure
1: great to see you and thank you yep. for the invitation um and asking me to come on it's always a privilege and a pleasure and i hope we we'll see you again of course absolutely. yeah Absol-
0: sometime soon again absolutely yeah. we will uh yeah and oh and come see by the way uh chip's got a got a headlining weekend coming up Father's Day weekend, Church of Satire oh. in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and June 16th and 17th with the one and only with me, I'm, I'm uh,
2: that's that's Rare where my, that Ken and I do live shows together. Yeah, we're, uh, we're yeah. If
0: you're a fan in the Pennsylvania area, you can come see the two of us together. Yeah, I'll sure be there if I'm in the area. That's right. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll see you next week.